Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And this is the podcast where we watch, review, and discuss just the first episode of a television series, a.k.a. the pilot episode. And we run the gamut of old shows, new shows, obscure shows, failed shows, even some shows that have never made it to air. We also alternate our picks every week. And this week was Jen's pick. And she picked... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which came out in the late 90s uh, on the WB, 1997, and the pilot aired. It ran for seven seasons from 97 to 2003, and it was also based on the movie that came out five years earlier in 1992, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, by the same uh, creator, Joss Whedon, who... He's now famous for all his work with the Marvel uh, cinematic properties. But back then he was just making movies and shows about vampires. If you're a first-time listener, what we usually do is we kind of uh, each take turns you know, talking about this show as far as uh, either why we picked it or what history we have with it. Um, any background or any memories of it. So um, since this was your pick, why don't you lead us off? Okay. I think I I picked this show because there's has been and still is a lot of hype about this show, like a real following for the show. And since I had never seen it, I certainly didn't really understand where this all came from. Um and it's funny that, to me at least, even 20 years later, that that following still exists. So I thought mm-hmm. it was probably worth taking a look at. Um, I used to watch a lot of the WB shows, like all the, the teen drama type shows. Um, and I don't know why I never watched this one. Um, you mentioned that it, it premiered in 1997, which for me, that I guess that might have been a little bit, um, you know, uh, not at the end of, but I wasn't as interested probably in the, the, the high school stuff because I was already in college. Not that I did, still didn't watch some of that stuff, but maybe I was kind of uh, phasing out from that anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason that maybe I didn't take an interest is uh, because, as you know, I'm not always really big on certain types of, like, fantasy-type stories. Yeah, more genre or, television. Or yeah. Uh, I don't like anything too gory. You know, I like a good thriller or mystery or whatever, but, like, horror-type things have never been of real interest to me. Um, so 
again, it was 20 years ago, and I can't remember why I didn't take an interest at the time, but those are, I guess, just a couple possibilities. With it being, still being on a lot of people's radars, I felt like it was probably worth, you know, checking out. And mm -hmm. I knew that Sarah Michelle Geller was in the show, not her first work, but, you know, like early on, earlier on for her. Yeah, I forgot that she was in a soap opera. I didn't forget that she was in a soap opera because I watched that soap opera. Which one was it? It was called Swan's Crossing. I've never even heard of that. I... Was that, that was a daytime soap opera, or...? I think so, and I think, um... I must have watched it in the summer or something, um... But it was like a teen soap opera, if I remember correctly. The main characters, like soap operas definitely have teenage characters mm -hmm. for sure, but they're mostly adult characters and mostly written for adults. This show was kind of the opposite. I think there were a couple of parents in there, but um, it was mostly teenagers and, mm -hmm. you know, teenagers who had too much money and didn't know what to do with themselves kind of a thing. So it was almost kind of like a precursor to all the teen drama shows that we have now or have had in the past 20 years or so. Yeah. Swan's Crossing, um, yeah, it was... I don't know there had, that there had been anything like that prior or that there's been anything since because it, it truly was like a daytime mm. show, if I remember correctly. And yeah, you have all of your teenage dramas... Dawson's Creek and all those things, but they were all, you know, primetime shows. And I think, to an extent, that's kind of like what the WB did. That's like what they catered to. Mm -hmm. It was just each show was a different cast of characters, all the same, probably a lot of the same, like, issues and yeah. dramas and stuff, but they just lived in a different town, mm -hmm. went to a different high school or whatever, you know. Maybe there was, like, a theme, like, Buffy obviously... Slate vampires. Roswell, they had the whole UFO oh, the thing. thing and yeah. Anyways, um, I knew her from that show. I That might be the only other thing I had known her from. I, I don't know. I didn't look her up, so I don't know what other work she had done at that time. But, um, yeah, she was, she was definitely on that show. I, yeah, I guess that's kind of my background with Buffy. Okay. Well, I guess I was kind of the... Well, I wouldn't say the opposite. Like, I, I never started... I did not start Buffy from the beginning. Uh, in fact, my earliest recollection of Buffy was the movie. And that came out, uh, I think, my freshman year of college. And to me, it was just kind of a ridiculous thing. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's like, I get it. It's a high school comedy. You know, it's like Clueless meets Dracula with this, you know... <laughs> pretty cheerleader who is a vampire slayer and it, it bucks all the all the conventional things that we know of from you know different vampire and horror movies um, where it's usually the the women who are the victims or who need rescuing you know and, and that over the years has has been one of um, Joss Whedon's trademarks or one of his one of the things he he is, excels at is uh, writing for, you know, or writing around strong women, strong female protagonists. But at the time, you know, me as a 17 or 18-year-old, I could care less. 
about a cheerleader who killed vampires, especially <laughs> being Christy Swanson and Luke Perry in the movie. Oh, yeah, Luke Perry was in that. Funny, the one thing I do remember is a guy I knew in college had a had a poster on his wall. I, I guess, I think in high school he had worked in a movie theater, so he had all these, he brought with him to decorate his dorm room all these, like, posters from terrible movies. <laughs> and one of them was, he had a poster of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on his wall. Yeah, with that combination of uh, people in that movie, I really just didn't, just the, the whole thing, it just made me not care. And then cut to five years later, they announced that there's going to be a TV show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I still don't care. <laughs> um, and it probably wasn't until, I would say, five years after that, four or five years maybe, um, and I had a group of friends who all watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. These are all guys. And not to say that guys can't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but, you know, all of a sudden now I feel like I'm missing out on something. You know, and then I started realizing there were other people, other friends of mine, just from all walks of life, who were watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That it wasn't just horror nerds or girls or whatever. I mean, like, this is a show that I think kind of caters to everybody. You know, you've got your, it's got action, it's got humor, it's got, you know, like, teen angst. It's, yeah, got pretty people in it. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Um, it's, you know, it's, it's the whole horror aspect. I mean, it, it's, it's got a lot of stuff going for it. So I, I didn't start from the beginning. I, I just started watching from wherever it was currently airing, um, because we didn't have streaming services mm -hmm. <laughs> back, you know, it was like back in the day, uh, but we didn't, you know, there was no, the, the only way to watch the old stuff was, be, I, I think actually, I don't even know if it was out on DVD yet. I probably would have had to buy it on VHS. And if it was even available on VHS, I don't know. But point is, you know, we only had physical media to work with at the time. So I just picked up wherever the show was. I think I, and I, it took me a few episodes to kind of get everything, all the characters and everything. But really, I was kind of hooked right away. I think I watched it for a couple of seasons, and then it kind of lost me at a certain point, so I, I just stopped watching it. So I, I really didn't come back again until the final season. I, I don't even know if I watched the entire final season. I might have watched like the last half of it, including the finale. But I think somewhere in between there, I did, I did go and buy the... Um, the first season on iTunes, because at some point I got a video iPod. I bought the first season on iTunes, and I watched it on my little video iPod, <laughs> <laughs> and which at the time was like, you know, that was awesome, but now I'd probably lose my mind. So I, I, I actually do have a recollection of the pilot episode. Uh, it's, it's fuzzy at best. Uh, some of it came back to me, some of it was kind of, again, vague and fuzzy at best. But it, it set up the series. You know, it was kind of uh, very by the numbers. I think it, it set up the series nicely. It, it introduced, you know, everyone, all the main characters, uh, you know, Buffy Summers, Xander, Willow, Giles, 
um, Angel. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of kind of my brief history with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So as far as the show, so as far as the pilot, actually getting into the pilot, the, um, the show opens up with Buffy Summers, who is a recent transfer to Sunnydale High School, and we find out that she has a destiny of being a slayer. And there's this quote that you hear a couple of times in this show, in this particular episode, but also throughout the series, and it says, In every generation there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the slayer. So Buffy is the slayer. Um, she and her mom, Joyce, come to Sunnydale after she's kicked out of her old school in Los Angeles, and so there's, she's trying to start fresh. She wants nothing to do with slaying or vampires or creatures or demons or monsters or whatever. She's just trying to be a normal high school kid. But, of course, that's not... <laughs> Things happen that force her into action, and she uh, she meets some, fr some new friends, and she meets her new watcher, who is Giles, who's the librarian. That's kind of how everything starts. It's kind of how... It's kind of like the, the beginning of the Buffyverse. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of you, 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 that's kind of the core group right there. Buffy, Xander, Willow, and Giles. That's kind of all you need. Okay. So thoughts on this on this episode since you're, you know, since, since you've never seen anything, you know, any Buffy anything before, what were your thoughts? I guess I spent a lot of time waiting for that moment where I was going to have some kind of realization. Or, or it was going to like click for me, and I get it. The nature of this podcast is, you know, the pilot only. But I don't think I ever really found that. You know, I it seemed a little like, you know, like you said, she she transferred school. She doesn't want to be a slayer anymore, but she finds that. She basically doesn't have an option because she is the chosen slayer. And so she finds herself amidst, a, you know, another town, like, rampant with vampires, I guess, or whatever. But I, I and maybe part of it is we don't know anything like what happened before, but it just seemed like, oh, so convenient that this teenager literally knows how to kick people's asses, like, knows how to fight, like, mm -hmm. real fight, is very strong, like, is, like, when she kind of hid, she was almost like a gymnast on a, mm -hmm. on a pole or yeah. a beam or whatever, and then, like, dropped herself down, and I don't, is being a slayer supposed to be kind of like, like superhero powers that in some ways we just don't question because I found myself like questioning all of her abilities yeah. the whole time. I guess maybe part of that is because I don't follow or haven't really paid a lot of attention to vampire type stories because they've never been of real interest to me. So like, is there some, everybody who watches and reads those types of stories knows that the Slayer is X, Y, and Z, and I just don't know that. But I guess I struggle with the fact that we just have, like, a 16-year-old girl who can literally easily beat people up and hide and 
surprise mm-hmm. people and knows how to, like, well, stake a vampire and, like, shows she's done this before, clearly. Right. But I just, I kind of struggled with that. And then the fact that, like, she just got to this town and she finds, you know, her watcher, Giles, but, like, so... I guess so. Almost too easily, her maybe we call it a team, like because you're saying these are the main characters mm-hmm. who kind of are with her throughout the series. But um, Xander overhears her discussing things with Giles, so he knows something's going on. And Willow's just you know kind of a smart person who the popular people pick on, and Buffy didn't really like that, and. I don't say took her under her wing, but just, you know, noticed who Willow was right off the bat. Now, all of a sudden, like, I guess also because Willow and Xander didn't spend a whole lot of time going, holy shit, you mean you're a (laughs) vampire? No, no. We don't have vampires and vampire slayers. They just right off the bat were like, sure, we're on your team. We're doing this. I think you're glossing over some stuff. (laughs) I think, so... Um, so you're you're right. There, this was not. So this pilot was not an origin story of Buffy. So we don't get any of her learning curve, which actually I find kind of refreshing. That you know, there, it's not her discovering that she is a slayer, and you know, going through the stereotypical like I don't want to be a slayer. Oh, okay, I'll be a slayer because I have to be, and discovering how to use her gifts and abilities and that she can fight. Um, I like that she already came into this show being self-aware and that, you know, so the show is basically asking the audience to accept it, to say, we're not going to show you how she figured out she was a slayer or, you know, and, and maybe, and I don't know, maybe there was an episode later that was like a flashback to her becoming a slayer where she was a normal girl up until a certain point, and then she just became a slayer. We don't see any of that in this in this episode. And I think it, it wasn't until the scene where... I forget what happens now, but... Oh, so they, they go to their, their local club, the Bronze. Buffy notices that there's this kind of obvious guy who's kind of... who's taken an interest in Willow... Willow doesn't know any different. She just thinks it's this guy who thinks she's cute. So they, she follows them. It turns out he's a vampire. And that's how things get started, With at least with Willow. And Zander, like you said, Xander had already had a, a clue that something was up because like he found a stake that she had dropped, and then she, he, she, he overheard their conversation. So he knew something was up. But it wasn't until all the shit went down when she was... You know, they saw her fighting these vampires, and then they all, the next day, they kind of reconvened at the library, and Giles was, basically Giles and Buffy were schooling Xander and Willow on all this stuff, and they were both actually kind of in shock. They were a little taken back, but, you know, this being a TV show, like, they can't be in shock for 45 minutes for, you know, the entire length of the show. They have to kind of accept it and move on. And I, I think for those characters, there's going to be a learning curve because they're just normal people. Like, they're not slayers. They, 
they they want to help Buffy. They want to help Buffy and Giles, but they're just normal people. So like, Xander's just a dude. He can only do like dude bro stuff, and you know, at least Willow, um, she's an, she's like an uber nerd. So she, I think, a majority of the show is her doing like she's like the tech person. She's, I already saw that as probably like her role. Yeah, you know, on their quote team mm-hmm. because she is clearly very smart and is very savvy with computers and um, clearly is, like, internet and research savvy. Yeah. You know, as we saw, like, the the, the freaking librarian doesn't know how to <laughs> use the internet, but she well, does. And to be fair, it's 1997. Well, not only but that, but, but he's... You get the impression that he's... So he's British. He's recently transferred to Sunnydale High from across the pond. So he's probably used to stacks of dusty books and you know he's 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 probably not going to be hip like the kids yeah he came from some library they mentioned it wasn't even like a school or academic or it was like like an archive or something right something like that and he's very proper he's very properly british and you know which 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 is which is a fun contrast to these 90s teenagers um, but yeah, but in, in this episode, the the high school kids are pretty much you know they're your high school stereotypes. You know, you've got Xander, who's kind of the the slacker, blockhead. Um, Willow, like we said, is kind of the uber nerd. Uh, you've got Cordelia, who is the the hot popular girl, and and at first, you know, it seems like Buffy's going to fall in with the popular kids. But like you said, she. I think she sees that she, even though she's cute and trendy and whatever, she still falls more in line with the outcasts than she does the popular kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of her being a slayer. Like, that's almost her sacrifice. Like, she can never be just one of... She can, she'll just never be a normal kid for, like, for her entire life. She's always going to have this with her. So... I think she it's like she knows she's always going to be on the outside looking in. Okay. Well, I certainly didn't mean to gloss over <laughs> so many details, but I guess that's just how it kind of felt for me. It felt like all the pieces well, kind of fast. fell into place Yeah. almost so easily. And I get yeah. what you're saying. Like, you appreciate that we didn't have to sit through the story of how she grew into her mm-hmm. role and her powers and, and, and all that. And, and I get that. Like, there's plenty of stories out there, whether it's television, film, books, like, whatever. In some ways, it would be painful to have to have that backstory, or it's just not very interesting, so they skip over, and you're, the the viewer or the reader just has to accept, like, we're, we're just kind of dumped into, here's where we start the story, mm-hmm. and we have to accept that Buffy already is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She knows what that means and everything. For me, I think it's more of a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's clear that. And have this massive following 20 years later, if it wasn't doing something that the average person yep. or a lot of people could enjoy and could wrap their heads around and you know made sense to them, was a good story, and everything that you want a television show to be. Yeah. For me, I think it was more personal because just, you know, I'm not 
super into vampire type stories, horror type of stories, etc. And I guess I kind of felt like with this, oh, it's like it's like the WB. So it's going to be you know, the teenagers doing their thing and mm. then there's some vampires and I'll probably be able to like latch on to or connect with like that teenager piece. Kind of like like Roswell UFOs. I can take them or leave them. I don't care. I watch that show mm-hmm. because I I could latch on to like the teenage stories, you know. Um, so I guess I kind of felt like like I really wanted to love this. I really wanted to watch the pilot and go, oh man, I totally get it. What a what an idiot I was for <laughs> all those years never watching and and whatever. But like, so we watched the pilot and I came out of it like, yeah. Like, I, I didn't find that thing or that piece for me to, like, truly latch on to, to, mm-hmm. like, want to come back. And, you know, I love a good teenage drama. <laughs> Give me a TV show. Some of my favorite movies are teenage movies, and I read mm-hmm. young adult novels. But, like, I kind of struggled here. But, again, for whatever, it's just my personality, whatever, I don't go to or gravitate towards vampire stories Fantasy in general is probably the toughest thing for me, you know, to get into. And there's some fantasy that's easier than others and and whatever. But um, my own personal, like, hang-ups, I think, were still hanging me up Mm -hmm. for this show. And I guess I'm disappointed, but maybe I'm just disappointed in myself that I couldn't get past... Well, those things. Like it's not like I didn't know what I was watching. I chose this show number one and number two. It's right there in the title. I know what we're about to watch. So I I wanted to like to love it and get the the, the whole following, but it, it was a struggle for me to connect with some of the elements, primarily the whole vampire piece. Mm-hmm. But um. Also, it was just a little bit tough with how the team just so easily seemed to, like, fall together. And, like, from what you're saying, they remained together, sounds like, through seven seasons of television. And, yeah, I made it sound a lot more simple than it is. You're right. But I just overall had a tough time, like, connecting Mm -hmm. with this show. Well, yeah, and and we had a a conversation about this. We we watched this Actually, last night, and we had a little conversation about it. The, you, you know, and, and again, the nature of our podcast is we only watch the first episode. You know, we're not going to we're going to not going to do a pod a, a Buffy podcast and watch every single episode. Although that would be amazing, but uh, <laughs> no, but would it? Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, if, you know, it, it'll, it, in a way, way, it probably wouldn't. This is what I'm coming around to: is that. You're not getting the the best of this sh- of this series from the pilot. You know the, the the pilot exists just to you know just to introduce the story and the characters. Um, the, some of the best episodes in this series are are yet to come, and it's a you know and it's so it's unfortunate that the the pilot itself is very cookie cutter. You know, uh, there's really not a lot. In it, that was very. It wasn't amazing. I mean, I'm not saying it was bad, but you know, if if I came into this cold, like in your shoes, say if I had never watched it, I might feel the same way because it, there is nothing about it that 
was very surprising or, or like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. You know, I, I think they, they really didn't get a chance to to find their voice until later on in the series. So probably like maybe like second or third season is when I maybe things really, you know, they started telling some long-form storytelling or started, you know, having these intricate storylines. I think just the first season was probably just very, uh, again, very cookie-cutter, just very by-the-numbers. You know, it's it's almost not fair to you to <laughs> to just only watch the pilot of the show because it it is a it, it is a quite a good series and again the the horror aspect the supernatural aspect and the forces of evil those are almost secondary to the story of these characters Buffy and Xander and Willow and Giles. Um, and uh, Angel, who you know, we you get we get introduced to Angel, and he's probably the only part of this that it has that there's a mystery surrounding because you don't know. Again, just just from watching this pilot, if you had no other knowledge of the Buffy verse, you don't know whose side he's on. He's got a little bit of a kind of a devilish, you know, like a handsome dude, like a like a you know if he's good or bad. You don't know who's who. You know who he's working for. Um, you don't know what he can do. He just you know? sort of comes out of nowhere and mm-hmm. and he's, says something. He's trying to help Buffy, but he but he's very. But he vague. doesn't give. I was gonna say he's vague and he doesn't give a lot of information. Yeah. So it's almost like um, he just stands there. Like a smolders. riddle is the total like wrong word, but almost like just plants a seed or, or, or something in her in her mind. And he he probably appeared three or four times maybe throughout the the episode, mm-hmm. um, but that's all you ever see him as as a person who appears for one second, two seconds, just to kind of say mm-hmm. something vague, and then he disappears again. Yeah. So yeah, so going back to I, I think yeah, if I were in your shoes, I, I might not find this one episode very compelling either. Um, and maybe I would keep going with it because, at you know, at the time, because it was, I, I still found it enjoyable enough. It was, you know, I thought the 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 dialogue and the interactions with the characters were really good. I thought the cast had a good chemistry, and you know, I I, I like how you know Whedon, you know, he, he I like how he writes characters, so. You know, this is something I might come back for, not necessarily for, you know, it, it's like you you come for the vampire, you stay for the Buffy, <laughs> you know, because that's that's really what it is. This it, it could, this could be Buffy the Zombie Slayer, or Buffy the Wolf Slayer, or Buffy the Ant Slayer. I mean, it could be whatever. I mean, Buffy could be killing anything, and it wouldn't really matter because. What it comes down to, what the what people find compelling, you know, is the or, or the characters and the the support, like the main cast and supporting characters that this show builds over seven seasons. Well, just because I don't want to sound like um, I'm, you know, raining on the the Buffy parade here, <laughs> um, things that I did enjoy. Um, it's always fun. 
to go back in time and see the '90s outfits. Oh yeah, there was some, the, the, this was some this was some primo '90s television. Yeah, so um, the like the short skirts with like the boots and um, the chunky heels, which was like my favorite shoe ever. <laughs> and when heels changed. After the 90s and heels went back to more, like, traditional heels, it was, like, devastating for me. I mean, those were my shoes. And when one pair wore out, I just went and got another pair of the exact same shoes. So she was wearing my shoes, and I was very excited. Um, so, yeah, seeing seeing some of those outfits and remembering, you know, life in the 90s, that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. The library itself was kind of cool looking. It didn't really look like it belonged in a school, but I decided as a librarian I was going to give them a pass <laughs> on that. It looked, it was kind of cool, like with a like a second level, like a half level, if you will, mm-hmm. and kind of like a spindly banister. It just didn't look like something you found in, in a high in school. Public school, yeah. But um, yeah, that was kind of kind of neat. Um, I thought it led the like it, it led a little bit because it looked kind of old. Yeah, it lent a little bit more uh, weight to because that's almost like their meeting place. Right, is the library and a lot of their research they do with old books. You know, I mean they use computers too, but throughout the series, you know, Giles is always pulling out some dusty old book about something or other. Yeah, so I guess it the the motif sort of like goes with. You know that ancient mm-hmm. theme, that piece. So that kind of makes sense. And then, yeah, the the whole internet thing was just kind of kind of funny. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of laughed silently to myself at uh, you know life before the internet and that like learning curve when you're mm-hmm. just using it for like the first time and don't even like understand really what you can do and how to do it. And yep. um, so that was just kind of funny with Willow's just like, oh, I I can search and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Giles is like, what? I think, like, Giles was everybody's parent. Yeah. The first time their kids went on the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, those those were, there were some little pieces there that I kind of enjoyed and, and thought were, um, you know, kind of fun. And then the one thing that we didn't say that we always kind of laugh about whether we're watching for the podcast or just watching anything, you know, for other, for our own, like, you know, just viewing, but just, you know, the kids who can literally walk into the club (laughs) and, uh, you know, of course in their town, there's a club that everybody knows that you can get into called the bronze. And that's where, I don't know if other episodes will take place there, but that's where this episode took place, yeah. and a lot of the vampires were, I guess, looking to, you know, looking to get a little dinner <laughs> at the club. Um, and then just like in Dawson's Creek and some of the other shows that we have watched, uh, they can literally just, like, walk into the club. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 16. Nobody's carding anybody you know, because that's the thing. Not every kid, you can't even, like, say, oh, they all had fake IDs. Not every kid has a fake ID. They literally just walk into the club. Mm-hmm. There was a bouncer. 
But I think he was just taking money. <laughs> I, like I take bribes, everybody, or I just. Like, I think he was just, just like like I'll that's five dollars yeah. or something. Yeah, there. I guess he was. Yeah, it was like a cover or whatever. But did did she even give money? Not to get all nitty gritty. I swear she literally just walked in. Cause I remember I, her. Well, no. Well, you, well, well Cordelia did say. She says, "Oh, of course we're going to the bronze. It's no cover tonight, or something." There was okay. there was some mention of no cover on a certain night, um, but yeah, there was just the yeah the and and she also mentions to Buffy, you know, when she's describing the bronze, like they'll let anybody in there, which uh, which you know the way she said it was like it's both good and bad. It's in like, the bad part of town. It's yeah. right next to the good part of town or something. Yeah, but she's like, you know, they'll let anybody in, which means we can get, they'll let kids in, but that also means they'll let anybody in, which means there's a, like a negative or a bad element that I guess can go there or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, no, there is a, yeah, the, the bronze does, you know, that is like kind of their peach pit. <laughs> oh, jeez. The peach pit. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, that's always uh, always makes me chuckle when you know the 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 classic club that anybody, including teenagers, can get into no problem. Yeah. So yeah, those are some of my fun or likable or laughable parts. You know, the, the one of the things I liked that for for being a twenty year old show, I thought the the effects and the the makeup were really strong. Like, they still looked good. Um, and I, I didn't notice it. I, I guess I've never noticed this on this show. But, and maybe this was a directive of the creators or the network. I don't know. But there's no blood, ever, in this show. Or at least in this episode, there is no blood. Like, you, you see a lot of people get bitten, but you never see... Really, any it you might see a little bit like on the mouth of the vampire, or maybe a little bit coming out of the neck, but it's not gory at all. It's very it's very homogenized. You know? Yeah, there was I can't remember which scene right now, but there was definitely a scene where when the vampire moved away, I expected to see just blood mm-hmm. gushing from the quote victim or whatever, and there wasn't. I can't remember who it was, but. Yeah, I kind of like I noticed it and like immediately moved on and kind of forgot about it. But yeah, you're right. And you know, and 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 granted it's been a long time since I've watched this show, but I'm having trouble recalling any kind of blood and, you know, gratuitous amounts. Hmm. So so yeah, I, again, I don't know if that was something that was decided early on, or if, you know, by the creators, by the network. I don't think it it really you know takes away anything. I think it's still a good you know quote unquote horror show or vampire show. I mean, there are so many different takes on vampires. It's like this is just one other person's view on vampires. You know how they look, how they feed, how they do whatever. So if there's no blood, I'm like, eh, so what? I don't care. Like I said, I thought they the um, the the makeup looked good. Uh, you know how the how they looked when they were vamped out, or when they were staked, how they just kind of poofed, they just disappeared. Yeah, yeah, that was that was, that was a good effect. It was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for again, for being twenty years old, that it 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 didn't look too much. I feel like it didn't look too off from what it might look like today. 
Right. So the makeup was definitely good, especially on the was was he called the master? Yeah, the, master. The main vampire mm-hmm. gentleman. His makeup looked. He looked awful, but you know, it's like freaky and just kind of creepy. And but it was like, like good job. Looked really good. Do you um? Do you know who the master was? No. Well, let me ask you this: Did you ever see Animal House? Yeah. He was Doug Niedermeyer. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Is that a pledge pin on yeah. your uniform? That's that guy. Yeah. Oh my god. Doug Niedermeyer. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Metcalf is his name. He is the master. Interesting. Yeah. So a little bit of little bit of trivia for you. So, yeah. So, well, another thing we do, so after we've kind of hashed it out a little bit, we usually will kind of discuss whether or not this is something we would continue to watch. This is kind of a weird one because this is something that I have watched a lot of already. You may be on the fence about it. I don't know. I feel like this is something, and I, I think I said this earlier when we had a previous discussion, I feel like, again, it's almost not fair to you to only watch the pilot. I think this is something you would eventually, you know, you would grow to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely on the fence. Um, I guess because I feel like I want to like all the things that everybody likes. (laughs) So I'm just... You know, my own, it's like my own hang-ups with the the type of shows that I enjoy. And like you, but you said, what I saw was not the best of Buffy. Like, there's many episodes later that are better than what I saw. So, you know, I trust your opinion, so I should should probably watch more of it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, based on, like, let's say... I didn't know you, and I just sat down to watch this pilot all by myself. I would never, ever come back to this show. <laughs> I mean, without yeah, somebody telling me. I, I think that's I, a fair assessment. Like, I took it upon myself to read some blogs or something, but, like, mm-hmm. in and of itself, it wasn't enough to make me come back for more. So, like I, like I said, I trust you, and you know, like, what I like and stuff, so... If you think that I could grow to like it and I'm going to be able to get past the things that sometimes like traditionally are hang-ups for me, then yeah, we probably could at least go forward with it, maybe just the first season. I mean, and if I like it, of course, we'll keep going, but like, I should just give it more of a shot, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, like I said before, being dis- I'm disappointed because I thought in or hoped whatever in watching the... F- the first episode that it was going to click, it was going to make total sense. Why there's just been this huge following for all these years? Well, you know what? I, th- I think I can sympathize because one show that we watched a few weeks ago that we have since continued to watch was Twin Peaks. And again, I that was a show that I picked for the podcast for the very same reason you picked Buffy because so many of my friends adore this show. And I've not watched one episode. I, I, I know the premise. I know who killed Laura Palmer. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know who killed Laura Palmer, but I know like that phrase, and I, I know everything that kind of goes along with Twin Peaks, except having actually watched Twin Peaks. <laughs> so when we did watch the pilot episode, I thought it was okay. The pilot episode was pretty good, actually. And then as we continued to watch the show, again, it wasn't. It's not bad, and I'll, I'm going to finish it because it's not a long series. I guess I feel the same way. It's like I'm still waiting for it to click. I'm still waiting. Like I don't, I don't get it. And but I, I feel like that's not maybe, maybe it's not a, a reflection of the show or a reflection of us as viewers. Maybe there's just a certain window for some of these cult shows that you have to watch it and get swept up in the fandom of it and the, like being part of the zeitgeist. You know, and if you miss that window, maybe that's just it. Maybe you just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like maybe I would have had to have watched Twin Peaks ten years ago. It's you know, it, it's almost like we missed the boat. You know, like yeah. you missed the Buffy boat and I missed the Twin Peaks boat. Yeah, I, and I would say. That's a that's a real possibility. I don't know. I mean, I never saw Twin Peaks, but I'm I'm enjoying it as we you know as we're continuing past the pilot with mm-hmm. that. But you know, we're also two different people, and like Twin Peaks is kind of up my alley in that it's like this mystery thriller kind of thing, which mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed. That I like with that series so far. I like how the the story. The storylines are interwoven and, and, and pieced together, and there's this level of complexity with all the different characters, all the all the players and the rule, the multiple rules that so many of them play. Mm-hmm. You know, and in that case, I was on board from episode one. You know, mm-hmm. but and you're right like maybe i missed that the boat and you missed the twin peaks boat and whatever but somehow i was still able to catch the twin peaks boat <laughs> <laughs> so who knows maybe i can still catch the buffy boat it's just yeah and, and twin maybe twin peaks and, clicked for me episode 1 and, buffy just didn't so yeah and and maybe twin maybe i'll hit that episode where twin peaks clicks for me right you know and i'm not saying i'm not discounting it i mean i'm still watching it but you know i i I think I'm, my point was I felt the same way you did, like disappointed. Yeah. Like, oh, I was waiting for something to happen. I was waiting to be, like, enlightened or <laughs> to, you know, to see, like, oh, so that's it. Oh, so my God, I get it. I get it now, yeah. yeah. My, my life is now complete. <laughs> I get it. Um, I can start making references about this, and people will be like, you're awesome. Um, but you know, we we talked to some some people over Christmas, some family members at a you know at a holiday party, and we mentioned that we were making our way through Twin Peaks, and some of the you know some of the relatives were, were talking about how much that's their favorite show, and oh my God, I I love that show, and it's it's my religion, and and this and that, and I'm like, really? <laughs> I I guess I don't understand any of that, but sure. And see, and that, that's what I mean with that 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 level of fandom, that level of love yeah. for that property is is beyond me. I mean, I, I 
I don't know if I'll ever see. That's why I feel like maybe I I came too late because I don't know that I could come away watching Twin Peaks and, and at the very end and say that was you know I really enjoyed that entire series. The, sh- the two seasons, the movie, the subsequent season that just aired last year, great stuff. I may not, but you know, love it. I may, I mean, I might find it adequate. <laughs> like, I don't think I'll ever love Twin Peaks, and you may never love Buffy. That, that's what I mean. Like, I, I feel like there's a certain, there's just a, there's a narrow window of opportunity to really, you know, to get swept up in something. And, you know, I I feel like sometimes you just miss it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, unless there's anything else, I guess we can start wrapping it up. That's all I've got. Okay. So uh, next week will be my pick. I don't know what I'm picking yet. I have a couple of ideas. Um, we've been in the 90s the past couple of episodes. I might do something a little more current. We'll see. I'm not sure. But usually when we decide, we'll tease it on the social media, our social media accounts, which we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Pilot Season TV. And, of course, you can find us on our website at pilotseasontv.blogspot.com. We are on iTunes. Officially, finally, we're on iTunes. Uh, we are going to be on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Pinecast. And if you have any questions, if you want to make any suggestions or any comments on the show or the episodes, or if you want to suggest any episodes for us to watch, you can leave a comment on any of our social media accounts. Uh, you can comment on the website or you can email us at pilotseasonpodcast at gmail.com. So, that is it for this episode number 19 of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time. See you.